0: And welcome to Sassy Nation. Don't miss a beat about what's happening on social media. So the first thing we can talk about is what I talked about on the Sassy Show, but I didn't talk about it in detail, which I'm going to talk about it here, is influencer-led apparel brands seem like the future, but the execution is proving complicated. Why? <laughs> okay. Well, I will tell you, it raises some questions. So for influencer marketing, for an influencer making good money on content, the demand of launching a clothing line may not be worth the financial reward. And then there's friction with more traditional retail partners that must meet numbers can be a significant hurdle. So we there is one successful um, Influencer, who has 1.2 million Instagram followers. Um, So, I'm just trying to try to, I'm not going to get into her name. Um, She started her brand as a personal style blog when she was in college. Within a few years, it was full-blown content business. As early as 2018, it expanded with the launch of her collection, a clothing line that focuses on dresses. So, the project was over three years in the making. Once the collection dropped in April of 2018, it appeared to be an instant success with items selling out within hours. It, in the two years since, the collection grew, expanding into new categories with coats and pajamas. It expanded beyond the initial retail channels, a direct-to-customer website, and Nordstrom's into stores including Neiman Marcus, Anthropology, and a number of independent boutiques. 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 all right. Um, but last week, when she took to her blog and announced that just after two years, her collection would be ending, at least in its current form, the decision stems from the lengthy disagreement between how she wanted to build it and how the business partner felt it should be run. And that's where problems are coming into now. People coming into problems with influencers. The end of this collection also means the end of the brand at the forefront. The brand may be able to live on without her, the the owner, the the person who developed it, but its future was unknown due to to COVID. Instead, she said she would be transitioning her content business to go by her name. So she's changing, see, rebranding again, like I'm rebranding. But re- I'm rebranding by adding businesses to my company. This one in particular is is rebranding by changing the business model altogether, changing her business name and her collection name of her clode, clothing line. So it's a little different and it's two year up two year old apparel brand. But giving up the brand name she's built over the past 10 years into one of the best-known influencer brands. It's a surprising move for those who have followed her business. By all customer-facing measures, her collection was a smash success, success, the picture of what an influencer-led apparel brand could be. And she hasn't been alone in her success. So the rise in popularity of influencer brands Apparel brands have coincided with the growth of the influencer industry. Influencing is a big business, estimated to be worth nearly $10 billion this year. This year, even through COVID, that's how big influencer marketing is. This is why I keep telling people, especially athletes, who don't understand this business. They don't understand it. You can tell by looking at their social media. They don't understand it. And it's even easier than ever for an influencer to have a lucrative career through brand partnerships, affiliated sales, and other methods of advertising. With the rise of influencer influencers as public figures, the influencer fronted apparel brands have become a major force. A natural next step for this industry is the most successful players, right? Like somebody from. All right, whatever. I'm not going to read the names. The trend of influencer launching apparel brands doesn't tell the full story. So suddenly, what once felt inevitable, the powerful fashion influencer getting into the product game, now feels uncertain. Running a clothing line is no small undertaking. And as the current retail landscape shows, it's hard with which to find major monetary success. As influencers' content-driven businesses become more financially fruitful, the prospects of a clothing brand may seem less appealing, particularly for those in the thick of it who see the difficulties. Now, here's where it gets a little murky, is with the influencer marketing. In a credit retail marketplace, it's becoming increasingly difficult for a new brand to garner attention. But influencers aren't new brands. And that's exactly what makes them uniquely positioned to enter the apparel space. They already have loyal fan bases as well as stylic sensibility and all this kind of stuff. Instead of starting from scratch, these apparel lines simply extend the brand an influencer has already built. So that's where the power is. The power is finding these influencers who already have fan bases and selling their fashion through an influencer. The amount of traffic that they drive to websites. Is astronomical. They can get their fans to take action. So Nordstrom has taken note in this, um, collaborating with the likes of some other um, uh, fashion people, and serving the launching pad an exclusive retail partner for influencer. No, for another influencer brand. Amazon also teams up with influencers to create capsule co- uh, collections. For influencers, it's a chance to expand their brand beyond the corners of the internet they've built for themselves and create another revenue stream. Even in a digital world, a product line is tangible with influencer success. See, so influ- I tell you, influencer marketing is not going away, it's only getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Just like a few years ago, I told you, video marketing was going to be big, and now that has taken over because now we have TikTok. YouTube is going to get um, is going to try to, um, you know, compete with TikTok. You have Instagram. Um, you have Instagram TV. You also have Instagram doing some interesting things as well. I have to see if I have that article because it just amazes me um, how much. I think they're called reels. That's what I was reading. Like Instagram comes up with these 10 to 15 second videos. or Maybe it's 15 to 30 second videos. Um, let me see. Instagram expands its TikTok clone. So, all right. So Instagram is now doing that too with its reels to new markets. So I'll just quickly go on this and then we'll go on to a different topic. Um, see, so. And Instagram is where all the influencers started, by the way. But you can be an influencer on Twitter. You can be an influencer on Facebook still. And you can be an influencer on TikTok. That's, see, that's not where they have... They're not headed there yet. But I'm going to tell you, they're going to head there soon. Instagram expands its TikTok clone reels to new markets. Okay. Um, following its launch last year in Brazil. So now they're expanding it starting that we starting yesterday Instagram rolled out further access to Reels in France and Germany allowing users to record short 15-second video clips set to music or other audio then share them on the platform where they have the potential to go viral. So again, video marketing. Video. I told you that 3 years ago. Actually, yeah, well, just about 2018, so 2 years ago. The video marketing was going to be big. That's the way it was going to go. Last year in 2019, I told you 2020 is going to be the year of the video. Long and behold, it's the year of the video. Because you got TikTok, you got YouTube, we got Instagram, we got all these different channels, Facebook with video, um, you got all these different channels channeling together, right? To create video. It's not going away. I'm telling you people and are going to try to come up with new platforms just for video. You're going to have new apps designed just for video alone. It's going to be huge, even bigger than it is now. You're going to have between video and influencers, you're going to have those two um, niches combined together. So instead of seeing like, you know, models, you know, or people who think they're models, modeling, you know, clothing and other products with pictures, which I showed you on my, on the Sassy Show, they use, um, what they use to take those pictures and it makes it look like they're having their picture taken professionally when they're not. Um, they're going to now take videos. You're going to have video influencer marketing. That's the next step because you got to combine the two together. Um so that's really exciting for social media world. I don't know how exciting it is for people who just like to be on social media for the sake of being on social media, but for businesses and brands and athletes and celebrities and um entrepreneurs, it's a great it's a great time to use social media and to learn all different new tools. Like for example, Twitter with their new tools. I mean, their their audio clips, their audio tweet is actually really pretty cool. I have to say that's a really cool idea, and um, I hope more people would use it. I haven't seen it on my timeline though, so I have not seen anybody use um, the audio clips that Twitter is giving you. You can do it 140 seconds of an audio clip, which is kind of neat. But we'll see if more bloggers and um, podcasters. And journalists and, you know, people in certain markets will use it. I think that's basically who's going to be using it. I don't think regular people are going to want to have their voice on a tweet, to be quite honest. Um, I don't see that happening. I can see it being more driven for businesses and brands and entrepreneurs and the like. But we'll just wait and see what happens. So as I am on here... Let's go look on Twitter quick. So, if you missed the Sassy Show yesterday. Um, Just to give you a roundup of Major League Baseball. uh, They're not really popular on Twitter. They're not popular. Major League Baseball or baseball players are not popular on social media. Why? Because they don't tweet. And when they tweet, they're told to tweet. So when everybody saw that tweet of them saying, you know, name name the time and place and we're there, they were told to tweet that. Because if you notice, they don't really engage with fans. Now, you do have some, you have some league um, baseball players that do engage with fans ever so often. You have one who thinks he's a know-it-all in Trevor Bauer. If you want to listen to what I said about Trevor Burrow, you can watch The Sassy Show. The link is on my YouTube channel. Um, But overall, baseball players, they suck at social media. They're not on it. They don't use it. Um, They lag behind the other three sports of hockey, football, and basketball. The top two um, leagues that have their players on social media at an ho- all-time rate is football and basketball. But hockey players are actually pretty darn good at this. Um, I have to say, they really, you know, they really know their stuff. And when they do tweet, they tweet some really decent stuff, some hockey players. So, you know, it's all the same. Um... There are some that are more outspoken than others, but they do know how to use their platforms a little bit better than other athletes. Football players are a strange bunch. I will just say that on social media. Most of the time with football players, you're either going to see them bashing people, bashing each other, um, talking a big game. Uh, talking about themselves like they're the best things in sliced bread, or doing their influencer stuff. Um, Or, you know, telling everybody that things in this world have to change without themselves actually doing anything except kneeling during the national anthem. Because, yes, that's really going to change things. Oh, it's going to change things. It's going to just be, it's brilliant. It's going to change things. So, and basketball players are the same way. They'll get into arguments with journalists. They'll get into arguments with each other. They'll call out each other. They will tweet about social issues. That's basically what you're going to say. You don't really see that much interaction and engagement in the NBA and the NFL with with players, I mean, with, with fans. Very, very limited. There's a very there's a few there's a few people who know how to do that. And I've mentioned them before. You know, that's Steve McClendon and um, Ty Montgomery. Those two are awesome at it. Oh, oh and Jonathan Harrison. The three, three players that I really know of that really do a great job. Now, JJ Watt does an okay job. I have to give him props. He does an okay job. Um, He doesn't do so bad. A couple other players may do a little bit of a good job too. You know, but then you have the big namers. I never ever see Tom Brady engaging with fans on social media. He's always talking to either another NFL player, a former NFL player, another athlete of another sport, or another celebrity. And that's basically what you say. So that's why I always say that they don't understand the concept of social media. Social media for an athlete should be the following. We want to know how you got to be a professional athlete. Where did you start from? Your journey. It's per- Social media is perfect for telling people your story because everybody has a story. You all have a history of where you started from and how you got to be where you are. Those are awesome posts. That is engaging content. You know, when it's Throwback Thursday, show us a baby picture of when you were a kid, you know, with the football, with the baseball, with the basketball, with the puck. Um, flashback Friday, same thing. Or Flashback Friday, you can go um, and show us a picture of your, you, know, you playing the sport in high school or playing the sport in elementary school, whatever. But that's the kind of content that should be posted. It's not all the time. Like, the reason I love Ty Montgomery and Steve McClendon's. Um, Instagram? Because they're inspiring. They inspire me to be a better person. They inspire me to be better at what I do. When I don't feel like working out, all I have to do is look at Steve McClendon's. And he's done that from the beginning with his. So it's not like he just all of a sudden one day woke up and said, you know, I'm going to show people how I work out. going to show people my workout. No. You know, he's done it from the get-go, that's his passion so he takes his passion and he creates really engaging content with it so it's a mix of him getting ready for football season his gym that he owns and showing other people working out and then his inspiring quotes and motivational quotes same thing with Ty montgomery he he's very inspiring very inspiring um and very down to earth And easy, really easy to have a great conversation with. That is what an athlete should be on social media. But it's not. Because then you get to try to, then of course, you know, I know they have this site called Cameo. But here's the thing. If all you athletes are just looking for money all the time, you're going to lose your fans. I understand that you want people to go on cameo and for, for me to wish you for me to wish your son a happy birthday you have to spend fifty dollars you have to spend a hundred bucks well half the time they really don't know that you have cameo number one because you don't know how to advertise that and two sometimes you have to do it without getting paid because then that shows your character That shows that you are a person of character, and you don't always just value money. You value people. See, and that's the difference. Because I can tell you, like, when it was my birthday, for example, so I tested it out, right? Because I knew, like, for the hockey player, like, Tony D'Angelo was on Cameo. So in one of the tweets that he actually, there was some sort of tweet that went on on my birthday. And I was like, oh, yeah, so, you know, usually today on my birthday, I'd be watching a hockey game on my birthday. But instead, I'm here quarantined. My birthday was in April. And I, you know, and I tweeted him him that, somebody else that, because somebody else mentioned something about hockey and two other hockey players on the Rangers. Do you know that not one of those New York Ranger players just tweeted back, well, happy birthday? Because, you know, that would have meant something, that they valued my fanship for that team. Instead of him looking for me to go to Cameo, and pay him to wish me a happy birthday. Do you like do you see what I'm saying? Like you can't always look for the dollars and cents part. Sometimes athletes get a little too swept up in that. And now that turns my attention to Jamal Adams. Where he puts on where he puts on his Instagram. God help us. Where he puts this on. Oh, where is it? Oh, you are allowed to change the price of what it costs to access you. Um, no. Yes and no. You need to earn that. That's like an, you earn that. You get there. Like, I have the right to change my prices. When I know what the value of social media marketing is. But... At the same time, I also know what the worth of my clients are. And during a pandemic, when most New Yorkers and New Jerseyans and Connecticut folks, we'll put the tri-state area around here, have lost their jobs due to the pandemic, are unemployed or furloughed still and not making money, And businesses just started to reopen. We have to deal with Jamal Adams, thinking that he has the right to now all of a sudden want more money. When, to me, you know, you haven't won anything. You haven't even gone to the playoffs since you've been on the Jets. You haven't done what you need to do. Yes, he's a great player. You know, is he working hard? maybe because he see he relies more on his talent than hard work because he always says he's talented he's talented he's a great player and yeah sure but that doesn't make you a legacy player you're not gonna you're you're trying to create a legacy right now as to being a top player and unfortunately for him he's a safety And the pandemic is also going to hurt the cap. So he's got to understand things. He can't just think with his head up his ass, which that's how he thinks. So he's been this way since last October. And which brings me to Sam Darnold, who... I have seen the two of them, you know, talking and gabbing and Jamal whispering into his ear. Those lovely little sentiments of, you don't have to care about fans. You know, you don't have to answer fans on, on social media. You don't have to talk to them. You don't have to engage with them. No, you need to get paid to do that. We have to get, you know, and I can totally 150 billion percentage see that. So. Last year, you know, I said that Sam Darnold didn't care about fans, and he was acting like a jackass, because, you know, of my nephew's videos that he sent him, and he never responded to them, which totally pissed off my nephew. Made me mad, too, because when my nephew gets mad and upset and frustrated, this auntie gets very upset and frustrated. But now that I now like, you know, more of the although I pegged Jamal from October on because I could tell his social media is a, it's a punch show. Because we got to see the video of him staying later than all the other players, signing autographs, talking with fans. Oh, whoop de doo We got to see him giving out sneakers to his team at the end of the year because that's a parting gift not making the playoffs. We have to see Jamal doing this. We have to see Jamal doing that. Everything with him is social media. So his team's giving him the wrong wrong idea. Because not everything needs to be social media based. There are things that we don't have to see. We don't ha- I don't have to see that kind of stuff. We shouldn't have to see that kind of stuff. And not all the time do we have to see charity stuff. But every once in a while, it's good to say that players are doing something with charity. But the whole point is paying it forward. People should know that you're paying it forward. You should just be paying it forward. But that's how Jamal is. So then I pegged Sam Darnold as one of those guys when I was totally 150 bazillion percentage wrong. He is nothing like Jamal Adams. He is showing me where A, that he grew up, B, that he's more mature, C, he's becoming a great leader on this team. Gathering all their troops together, going down to Florida for a workout, working out with some really prime, great players on other teams, working out with Mark Sanchez on the beach. Who, another Jet player, by the way. For those who don't know who he is, yeah. Mark Sanchez is the last quarterback from the Jets to get us close to the Super Bowl two years in a row. So, and so I pegged, or I thought I pegged. Sam Darnold and I was wrong. So Sam, I'm so sorry for saying that and telling you that whatever I said to you in the Instagram message, the last one that like oh that you don't give a shit. Basically, that's what I said. Um, No, you do. You care. You're not like Jamal Adams. And hopefully, he didn't rub off on you the wrong way for the rest of your life (laughs) because that's not that's that's not a way to be. And I think Jamal was at, I think Jamal is actually jealous of Sam because Sam's going to get all the attention. Jamal is not going to get the attention. Sam deserves the attention for all his hard work right now before this before camp even starts and all his hard work that he's putting in. He deserves all that attention rightly so. I think Sam, I think Jamal's jealous of you. I really do. I think he's jealous of you because you're going to make more money than he is. Let's be real. Quarterbacks make more money in this league than safeties. You will make more money than he will. Hands down, guaranteed. But see, I don't think Sam really cares about paychecks. He cares about his career. He cares about playing football. And that's why he's going to become one of the top fan favorites, especially with his leadership. So again, I want to apologize again to Sam. I am so sorry for that. I pegged you as somebody who you're not. And I just wanted to say sorry for that. Oopsie. <laughs> well, see, And I just goes to show you, we all make mistakes. Everybody deserves second chances and we all make mistakes. Not everybody. Well, okay, I'll take that back. Not everybody deserves second chances. Some people deserve second chances. Um, but, you know, it, that just goes to show you that There are toxic people out there and toxic people, when they see other people having success and they're not having that success or they're not having that attention or they're not, you know, they're not getting what the other person is getting, they get jealous and this is what happens. And I can tell you right now, that's what's going to happen. And I just want to tell this to Jamal, you're lucky that I ain't running the Jets because if I was running the Jets, your ass would still be a jet. For the next two years. There's no way in God's name I'm going to trade you to. The teams that you even put on the list. <laughs> no. i trade you to a team that wasn't on the list. If I was going to trade you. But no. And then I just franchise tag you. To piss you off. After your two years were up. You can sit, you can sit your little ass outside. You can sit your little ass outside. Mm-hmm. That's where you, guys, that's where you can go. Sit your ass outside, honey. Because that's who holds the leverage, by the way. The Jets do. You don't. And now you're really screwing it for yourself by all your stupid social media posts. So maybe you should delete your Instagram and your Twitter app for at least a couple months. Till at least September. But I doubt it because he needs attention. He's like Odell Beckham. He needs, he's dire need and desperate need of attention. Whether it be negative or positive. And by the way... That's not a good brand influencer. You don't want somebody who gets one's attention all the time to be an influencer for your product. Because the attention will be on them, not on your product. And that's about it. So thanks for listening. And I will see you all next week. Well, I won't see you all. Yeah, if if you watch The Sassy Show on Facebook and you get my link on YouTube, you'll see me then. If not, you'll hear me next week. Have a great weekend.